Awesome. How are we doing? Good, good. If you have your Bibles, grab those. Jonah chapter 1 is where we'll be. Jonah chapter 1, starting verse 7. Uh, if you have the app, you can follow along there, worship, sermon notes, uh, and find week 3 uh, there. My game plan over the next six, seven weeks is just to kind of highlight some of those uh, that we support, the ministries locally. If we can get any that's uh, kind of further stretching out, we'll, um, I just want to introduce you, get them before you, let, let you see just those people that, that we get to support, those ministries we get to, to pour into. And um, man, their story is our story as we're connected as the family of God. And so um, I, I don't know how familiar you are with FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, but for me, uh, as a kid growing up in West Virginia, uh, on Easter Sunday having like 20 people at our church, um, uh, for me, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes became my youth group, became my um, uh, source of, of growth and discipleship and opportunity to get out and to, uh, and to learn and to grow. And so um, I just feel like that's a great, great ministry that we can support and be a part of uh, there. And um, so we'll be, that's, that's one of those that we'll be supporting uh, this uh, year. Um, so the book of Jonah, that's where we're at, Jonah. We're going to walk through Jonah. We're going to look at Jonah. And my hope and my prayer as we show you some of those that we do support is that it just stirs in your heart all the more this desire for missions, this desire to jump in and be a part of what God's doing in this world, to join in uh, and play a role in uh, what he's called us to do, one, as the people of God, and two, um, as the church, what, what he's called us to do there to be a part of, of his global plan to reach the world for his glory and his honor to make his gospel known to the nations. And so that's what we're going to do. We're just going to play a vital, vital part in that is, is our prayer and our hope. And so as we walk through Jonah, just to kind of get you caught back up to where we're going to be uh, this morning. Uh, last week, we just made it six verses deep here into chapter uh, one. We looked at three things. I'll just highlight those real quick. We don't have time to go back and, and look at all those in depth. But um, the first thing we looked at last week was this, was that Jonah was just in open rebellion. So much so that it wasn't just like an oops, I went kind of the wrong direction, but that he jumps in a boat, charters a boat to go 2,000 miles in the opposite direction. So we just see direct disobedience in the opposite direction. And the question I asked you last week is where are you headed? Where are you headed? Are you following after Jesus wherever he leads? Like, like Jimmy said this morning in that video, there was a little wrestle there. Do I step out and do I follow the Lord in this calling or do I stay where I'm comfortable? The second thing we looked at is this, is that you can run, but you can't hide from the one that's in all places at all times, in all moments. It is that God is omnipresent and he is everywhere. So Jonah jumps in a boat and tries to run. As he tries to run, you can't play hide and seek with God because he is everywhere. And then the third thing we looked at last week is this, is that we see Jonah in the bottom of the boat exhausted, just wore out so much so that he's just asleep in this horrific storm that's raging all around him to the point of where the captain of the boat has to make Jonah aware of what's happening, of the storm that's taking place. And so we talked for a brief moment about how that's what sin will do. Sin will wear you out. Sin will take you further than you want to go and leave you at a place that you never intended to be. And in that, the whole time will wear you out. And so all of that was last week. Um, we're going to get ready and jump into this week. But if you missed any of that, you can go back and, and catch up. Um, and so this week, we're going to see just this horrific spot that Jonah's in. Physically and spiritually. But before we get there, I, just, I want to talk to you for a moment. I just I want to make sure that we all are under this understanding of what, what God does by way of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you for a moment about conviction and how conviction is a good gift from God. Conviction is a great gift from God. 
See, when, whenever God shows up and he uh, pricks our heart, whenever we're in rebellion and he convicts us and he draws us, or for those that don't know Jesus as Lord, he convicts and he woos them to himself to expose their sin, to show them of their great need for him, that, that is a good gift of God. So for the believer, when we do something that's contrary to God, when we do something that is outside the scope of what he, he has said as right and holy and good, the Holy Spirit convicts us to draw us back to God. And in that, what happens is we confess, we repent, we have a, this change of mind, a brokenness over sin. And, and church, that is a good, healthy way to live as believers. That is a good, healthy way to be, to, to function. And so last week we established, and I don't know if you remember if you were here last week or not, but last week we established that we all sin, right? Remember I asked the question, who sinned this week? And this side was real quick to raise their hand. And then the rest of us just kind of followed. But, but no, honestly, like, like, like we do, don't we? Like even this past week we've sinned. Even this past week we have fallen short. We've blown it. So when there's conviction, we act upon that. When our sin is pointed out, we act upon that. And we repent, we run to and I'll take it a step further. It's even good that we confess to other brothers and sisters. Oh, wow, so that they can hold us accountable, so they can pray for us, so they can press us all the more into the presence of Jesus. So that is a good and right place to be, a good and right place to live. And for me this past week, it's been pretty neat because I've had a few people kind of reach out to me and we began some conversation and talking and they begin to kind of just share some struggles. So now I can be praying for them. Now I can be uh, holding them accountable. And so that's a good, right way to live. That's how God has created us to be and live underneath the umbrella of who he is. And so I'll just, just say this, and I'm going to show you kind of point to what will happen if we don't. If, but if, if we don't have somebody that we can openly confess our struggles, our sin to, then what I believe is that you are on the cusp of what would be a horrific fall and fail in your life. If you're not journeying with someone who can hold you accountable, who can love on you, who can uh, encourage you, who can press you all the more into the presence of Jesus, then you are at a very, very dangerous place, brother and sister. And what I want to reference is Revelation chapter 2 this morning. And everybody gets kind of geeked up. Oh, gosh, he's going to be in Revelation. Hold on, just hang tight. That's, we're not going to go that route right now. But I, just, I want to show you what, what happens when we don't live that way. When we don't come under that banner of confession and, uh, uh, and, and repentance and, and, and accountability. So you've got John and John's writing this letter. This, this is what the book of Revelation is about. The book of Revelation is to encourage us. It's not to be this crazy book that freaks us out and scares us to death. Um, and if God continues to go the route that he's going, probably in the next six months to a year, we'll be taking a journey through the book of Revelation. So just buckle up, hang on, we're going to get there. Um, but, but we have John who is writing this letter to who? To the seven churches. And, and so this, this is what he says. This is where he's at. John, uh, Revelation 2, 1, it says this. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but you've tested those who, who call themselves apostles and are not. And you have found them to be false. Verse 3, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary. I mean, those are great compliments from the Apostle John, right? From, from, from John as he pins us and as he writes this letter to the church there in Ephesus. Those are huge compliments. But then we get to verse 4 and follows that as a but. He says, but I have this against you. 
that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So the church here at Ephesus has been praised. It's being praised here in Revelation as a faithful church, as a patient church, as a sound church. It's called out as uh, uh, ones that have turned from their first love. That's what happens. That's what John's saying. You've, you've turned to another gospel. And you can read throughout the book of Galatians 1 and you can kind of see some of those things that are taking place. Into the, and, and then you've got the Ephesian church here which uh, has freely confessed their wickedness, had conf- uh, freely uh, uh, shared and repented of their sinful hearts. And what's happened is they've lost their view of the gospel. And in that they've lost their power. They've lost what God has called them to do and to be. And what happens is Ephesus somehow gets civilized. They, they get civilized. They get dignified. And they, they've, they've gone away from the gospel. They got away from their need of the gospel. Lost their power. See, the church no longer recognized their sin. And see, I, th- I think that we, can, we kind of get that. We understand. We recognize that we fall short, but we're just too prideful and fearful to maybe journey with others or maybe to live a life of repentance to the point of confessing our sins where we fall short. And I think we live in that place where we're scared to death. What will they think of us? What will they say if they really know me? That there's that driving force there in our head and in our heart. What might they do? What might they think? So I just want to tell you this morning as we dive into and as we look at the book of Jonah, is this, this will just kind of meet up perfectly and I don't ever want us to be that kind of church. That it's okay not to be okay. Like you get that, right? It's okay not to be okay. Now, now the problem is you just don't want to stay there in the not okay part. So it's okay to have struggles. It's okay to have issues. As long as we're pressing into the Lord, as long as we're asking God to change us, to shape us, to mold us, as long as we're doing the difficult work that's required and it's called of us to, to, to try to press into holiness. So it's okay to be there. Just don't stay there. I mean, how I wish the church here in Ephesus would have just understood that confession is a lot easier when you understand that Christ is for you and not against you. Church, I want you to hear that this morning, that Jesus is for you. He is for you more than you'll ever realize and recognize. And the way that I know that to be true is to look at the cross. That that, that He takes our sin and our shame upon Him and He goes to the cross and He dies a death He doesn't deserve. For you and for me, for the men and women in this room, for the men and women in this world, He dies for us. So my hope and my prayer for us this morning is this, is that God would just get our attention by any means necessary. And for the man or woman sitting in this place that doesn't know him as Lord and Savior, that he would awaken in you this reality and this great need for him. And if you are his and you are stuck in sin, then he would rescue you from that and he would break those chains of bondage and set you free. And that you would find a place where you can flourish in, in, in confession and repentance, where you can find accountability, where you can find love and acceptance. And so I'm going to ask you this morning if you'd pray with me and then we'll jump into Jonah chapter 1 here in a moment. Father, we love you. Jesus, again, we need you. Oh, God, that you would speak and make your presence known in this place. God, be louder than some crazy-haired guy on a stage screaming at everybody. Oh, God, that the small, still voice of the Holy Spirit will speak directly to the hearts of the people in this room. And Father, if there is sin, that it would be forgiven and repented of. God, if there is lostness in this place, Father, that you would awaken in hearts the need for you as Savior and that you would gloriously save. Jesus, we love you, we need you. Father, this, this, is, 
this is for you. So whatever you see fit in this moment, God, may you do. We beg of you to show up and show out. And we pray. Amen. So, so far up into this point, we have a storm that's like no other. Um, these are men that are on this ship that are well equipped to handle a storm at sea. Uh, but there's just something different about this one. This storm that they're uh, in, there's just something different, something that has, uh, has them uh, worried, scared, up in arms. And so God has a greater purpose for this storm as well we know, right? We are outside of the story so we can read into it and we can know what's happening. And, and God is working. God is doing something far greater than anybody on that boat even realizes in this moment. And so Jonah 1.7 says this, And they said to one another, these are the, the, the shipmen there. He said, they said to one another, come let us cast lots that we may know on whose account the evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lots fell on Jonah. You see what's happening here even? God is even sovereign over that. And so this was just a system to kind of figure out disputes if something comes up and we need to figure out how do we handle this? What do we do? Kind of almost like rock, paper, scissors type stuff going on here. And on this day, who does it fall on? It falls on Jonah. Jonah gets the blame for this storm, and rightfully so should he. Verse 8, it says this, and they said to him, so the shipmen turn on Jonah, and they say to him, tell us whose account this evil has come upon us. What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? So the interrogation begins. Uh, these guys aren't just going to sit there and let this thing go by. Uh, they start to interrogate. They start to ask all these questions. They're trying to figure out who in the world they're dealing with. What scoundrel has made his way upon our boat? What, what is he doing on here? And so finally we're going to see Jonah speak. Up until this point, Jonah hasn't said anything. And now he's going to speak. He's been awakened from his sleep and his slumber, doing his own thing, being silent. And this is the moment where he is going to answer. But before we get into that, man, God just pressed on my heart here as I was reading and studying this week and looking at, to, to just make a statement. Like, like, church, do you realize that our sin reeks? That our sin reeks. Galatians says that the works of the flesh are evident, and the flesh is contrary to that of the Spirit. And, and so they're in opposition of one another, and our sin will be made known. Our sin will be exposed. Our sin will be seen. It's funny, like over um, this past week, I um, had some laundry. Um, and, and have you ever put on a shirt and you kind of put your shirt on like you're excited to wear that shirt? Maybe it's just me. I get excited to wear shirts. And so I got my shirt on and I'm like doing my thing. And all of a sudden, you just like, you smell something. You know, like, no, I've got the and I'm good there. You just kind of keep going about your thing. And then it hits you. It is never too good to leave wet laundry in the washer for three weeks. That is horrible. And so in a moment of panic, having the right outfit on, what do you do? You try to mask that smell, right? So we go to the pantry or to the cupboard there, the whatever it is, and we, we, get, some, we get some cologne and we, a couple squirts of cologne, okay, I'm good. My nostrils have been awakened to the smell of the cologne and I'm okay until about two minutes later when that settles. And then what happens? You smell the stench again, right? There it is. I mean, I just can't shake anything. So what do you do? You go back and, and you squirt yourself some more. And you pray to God, please let it work this time. Only to have, after you have doused your whole shirt and everything in that, only to have just a few moments after that when your nose adjusts to the smell, you still smell the thing, don't you? You just can't get rid of it. I mean, you can wet it down, throw it back in the dryer. That doesn't help. 
I mean, you can do a number of things to try to hide uh, the, the little downy sheets in there with it. You can do a number of things to try to get that smell away, only to find out that that smell eventually just kind of peeks right back through, doesn't it? It, it, just, it just kind of, uh, uh, it just, the stench just comes creeping right back through. So I'm here to tell you that, the sin, that sin is the same way. You can hide it for a bit, but it's going to show itself. There's going to be things in your life that's going to point to, that's going to uh, uh, just be uh, red flags that are going to make itself evident. See, the Apostle Paul talks about how God will judge the secrets of man according to the Gospels over in Romans 2.16. So you need to know something. Your sin's going to be made known. Your sin is going to be made known. The question is, will it be here or will it be in eternity? And I pray to God for our sake that it's here. I mean, can you think of how horrific that would be? The, the, the passive wrath of God? The passive wrath of God that you go throughout your whole life and you never have your sin revealed or never have your sin brought into the light to think for a moment that you have fooled everyone, that you've gotten by with it, that you've played the game, you've gotten away with it, only to find out that God is well aware of all of it. That you'll stand there one day before Him and He'll hand you a bill upon which you can never ever pay. You can never ever uh, uh, make right. I mean, how horrific would that be? See, I believe that the most loving thing that God can do is let us get caught in our sin. That can point out and make us aware of our sin. See, God's not passive. God is active. God is intentional. God is going to make known. And the most loving thing that he can do is let us get caught. Let us get caught because in that moment, now we have to deal with. And there can be two options. The two options is, yes, I'll repent in return. Or I'll continue to rebel and run. And we're going to kind of see this played out throughout the book of Jonah a little bit. We're going to see this played out. So God is intentional. God is not passive, but he is active and moving. Verse 9, he goes on and he says this. And he said to them, this is, this is uh, Jonah r- responding. He said, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the seas and the dry land. So John is just saying, or Jonah, Jonah is just simply saying, hey man, I'm, I worship the one who is in control of all of this. Everything that we're experiencing, everything that we're going through, this storm, all this is happening, that is the God who I worship. That's what he's saying. And then look at their response. The men in verse 10 were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is it that you have done? I mean, how horrific is that? This whole time he hasn't spoken not one time about this God whom he loves, whom he follows, whom he's uh, obedient to or not obedient to, not once. And and their response is, what what have you done? For the men, it says, for the men knew that he was fleeing the presence of the Lord because that's what he's told them. I mean, how how brazen is that? Uh, Guys, I need you to get me out of here. I need to get out of the presence of the Lord for a little while. I need to like lay low, hide for a bit, go down in the boat, I'm more out. I mean, how horrific is that? He's got these men on this boat, captive audience that he could be doing a number of things with, sharing with, talking to. So in this moment here, the tension is just heightened. And these are non-religious men. These are, these are, these are seamen. These are boaters. And in this moment, they realize, they pick almost, you, you don't want to mess with this God. I mean, this had to be a terrifying moment. I mean, in their minds, what are they seeing? They're experiencing Jonah being judged by God, and they're thinking, I'm going down with him. This fool has brought his sin upon our boat, and now we're about to be taken down with him. I mean, th- that would be a horrific thought. I-, I mean, these boaters are in that predicament. And look at what they say in verse 11. So they say to him, what shall we do to you? 
I can think of a lot of things I'd like to do to that boy right now in that moment. You know what I'm saying? What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more temptuous. So in this moment, what we see is we see these boaters hopeless. No idea what to do. And it just made me think of our current world. Is that not a picture of the world, the state of the world's in? I mean, everything's spiraling, spiraling around amongst them, going down the drain, falling apart, this, that, regardless of where you stand on stuff. I mean, if you just watch the news for a moment, how crazy and ridiculous we are. How, how we just seem to be nuts and don't have a clue about anything. Well, that's exactly right because the world doesn't. But we do as the men and women of God. This is a picture of the world, is it not? The storm is raging around them and they're even unaware of what they need to do to be rescued. What do we, I mean, they're, they're trying to figure some things out here. But church, not for us. Not, not for us. No, 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 no. We're connected to the God of salvation. He is the one we worship. He is the one that, that, that holds our hope. He is our answer. We have that. And it's our job and our responsibility to share with this crazy lost world. It's like the more crazier they are, the more we should welcome that. The, the more lost they are, the more we should want to be around it. The, the more in desperate need they are, the more that we should be willing to give and do for. Why? Because we have the blessed hope within us. We have the mission. We have been commissioned to tell of the glorious news of the gospel. Why? Because every one of us has been in that boat at one point, one time in our life. Lost and undone and in desperate need of a savior. And we have the message of hope within us. And we're commissioned and called to give it. And poor Jonah is so jacked up and messed up in his sin that he has no desire to tell him about the God that he serves or he worships. I mean, it's just a horrible spot to be in. So the story goes in verse 12, and he says to them, so, the, so this is Jonah's quick thinking. This is his answer to the problem in this moment, this storm raging. This is what he says in verse 12. He says, just pick me up and hurl me into the sea. And then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. I mean, what a horrific place to be in. It's my fault. I've done it to you. So just, just, just do this. Just throw me into the sea. It'll, it'll quit. Everything will be okay. You'll be going about your way. I mean, I just, I just wonder how this would have played out if Jonah would have just been broken over his sin and repented in that moment. If, if he would have just owned his mess up. I'm like, all right, you know, I had a moment of weakness. There's these people down there that are wicked in Nineveh, and I want nothing to do with them. And they're awful. I can't stand them. But, this, but God has called me to go tell them about his love, and probably what will happen, they'll repent, and they'll turn, and, oh, God, do it. I mean, his heart is exposed all in this. Have you not, is that not crazy? Like, like these poor, I, I don't know if I'd want to be a character in the Bible. I mean, at least, at least we can kind of hide it and lay low a little bit, right? Not these people. I mean, think about that for a moment. Jonah is a prophet of God. God has got a call on Jonah's life to do what? To, to tell his story, to tell his message. And what Jonah is doing is says, God, that's cool, you want to do that? But I don't like those people. They're nasty, they, they, they're wicked, they're sinful, they like to kill people, they look a little different than me, they smell a little different than me. I want nothing to do with them. Why don't you just wipe them off the face of the earth? In essence, is Jonah's message to those people. I mean, dang, like this boy's mail is getting read in front of everybody. I mean, 2,000 years removed from this, and we're just seeing this story played out. 
I mean, how crazy is this? But God's heart is for that, isn't he? God's heart is for men and women like that. Even for the lost, but even for those of us who are his and still rebel in our sin. Because though we're a little more dignified than Jonah, no, what we are is that we just haven't been caught and we just haven't spoken it out loud. But, but there are people in our heart, there are people that we think about them, I would never want to be around them. I mean, I wouldn't share a crumb with them, let alone the gospel. I mean, we may not say that out loud, but our heart and our lives reek of that. And what we see here is Jonah in this moment, all of this happening and coming to a head and God finally gets a hold of him in this moment and he's going to work and do something and Jonah's response to all of this being his fault, just throw me into the, into the ocean. Throw me into the ocean. And I think what breaks my heart about this is that he doesn't appear to be broken over his sin and rebellion. I mean, at least he's been a gentleman and he's going to take his life for theirs. I mean, that joker caused it, so at least he's going to take one for the team, kind of. And so he lands at that place where it's his fault. And so he's ready to answer for what he did. And I'm just going to tell you right now, that's a horrible place to be to answer for what you've done. An awful place to be. God, just give me what I deserve. Thank the Lord he doesn't give us what we deserve, but that he shows grace and mercy. And so I just want to talk for a minute about this because what, what we're seeing here is something of, of godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. See, Jonah is at a place of some worldly sorrow. Dang, I got caught. I should have hit it better. If you guys would have had a faster boat, we could have got to Tarshish. Would have been good. I mean, he's just kind of at that place, kind of playing those type of things, those thoughts in his mind. Man, if I just hit it better, if I just lied better, if I just, maybe if I stayed on ground, then this whole storm thing wouldn't have got us. So that's kind of where he's at, this worldly sorrow moment where he finds, okay, just throw me in the ocean. I'll take one for the team. It's my fault. And so that's not true repentance. What true repentance is, is this, is a godly sorrow. We're, godly sorrow where we broke God's heart, where we've fractured our relationship with God over our sin. Where we've looked at and we've seen our sin compared to His holiness. And in that moment, we allow God to wreck us in the reality of what that's done. It hasn't cost us our salvation, but it has cost us our walk and relationship and, and, and unity. It's been fractured with Him. So in that, knowing that, what do we do? We feel broken over it. We allow the Holy Spirit to press upon us and we feel broken. And so therefore we, we go before Him and we do whatever necessary to have that relationship restored. We own our junk and we fall broken before the cross and beg Him to forgive us. We, re we live a life of repentance. And that's not what we see happening in Jonah at this point. So my question is, I mean, how do we distinguish between the two? And the only answer for that is to give it time. To give it time. Do you know brothers and sisters who have fallen away and have nothing to do with or one day where they were so hot and they, they walked away from or, or, or whatever the case may be? You've got to give it time. Give it time. And there will be evidence whether or not they belong to, whether or not they have had true repentance. And I'm not saying that we won't get caught up in, in some sin or we won't get caught up in struggle. But man, there is a willingness and a brokenness in the heart of a follower of Jesus who lives out a life of repentance. And to be made known, have the light shined upon their life. And so it goes on in verse 13, he says, he says, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they, they could not. For the sea grew more and more temptuous against them. I mean, superficial solutions caused by our rebellion and our disobedience seldom work, does it? 
You hear that? Superficial solutions caused by our own sin, our own rebellion and disobedience. They hardly ever work. We can't fix the problems. See, repentance requires radical action. Every time. Repentance requires radical action. See, when I was in college, um, I can remember uh, we had a teacher and his teacher was talking and he was sharing with us and uh, just a story of a, of a guy that he knew years ago. And in class, he was talking about repentance. He was talking about sin and just what sin does and how horrific sin is and what it'll do to, to us. I mean, sin, for the wages of sin is death. So as a result of sin, it's going to bring about death. And so he just, he just shared this story of this guy that came to him one time and brought him his computer and said, here you go. And the teacher's like, what do you want me to do with your computer? He's like, I'm not strong enough to have this in my dorm room by myself. And the teacher's like, what? He's like, if you don't take this, this is going to kill me. I will never, ever, ever be able to have the intimacy that I need to have with my wife one day down the road. Whoever that is that God's got for me. I will never be able to live out and to do and to be what God's called me to be as a husband, as a man, as his follower. If you don't take this in, because this will kill me. And so the only way that that guy could use the computer is what? In the presence of his teacher. He put the password on there and the kid couldn't even get on it. Unless he was in the presence of his teacher. Well, because he knew. I mean, is that not radical action? Like, like I could remember for me, whenever we first moved down here and um, uh, we got us a house and we're in our house and then in the house, a man's got to have a TV. So I got, we got a TV and with that TV, you got to have something on that TV. And so I call and I get like the, the dish thing set up and they're calling me. And I don't know if you've ever done that, but like if you do that, they always give you something free. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, let's do this thing. And so I got signed up and they send the tech out. They put the cute little dish on my house and we're doing all that stuff. And as we're, we're doing it, the next day comes and they call to check. Like, all right, we got your programming ready. We just want to let you know that, sir, you are the lucky winner of three free months of these networks and these channels. And I'm like, yes, I've won. So I get three free months. They're like, yeah, yes, sir, three free months. I'm like, ma'am, I don't want them. And, 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 and there was this pause on the other side. Sir, did you hear me? I said three free months of premium channels. All the movies your little heart can desire. I'm like, she is selling this thing, man. I'm like, does popcorn come with it? No, sir, popcorn. I then I don't want it. And she's like, what? I said, I, I don't want it. But, but they're free. I'm like, I know that they're free, but I don't want it. But sir, they're free. You know what free means. I'm like, yes, ma'am, I am aware of the definition of free. It's when you give somebody something, and it's theirs now. They get a habit. It's all theirs. She's like, yes, sir, that's free. Are you ready for them? I'm like, no. She's like, why the heck not? I'm like, because I know what comes on after 11, and I can't handle it. It'll kill me. That was her response. Crickets. And I'm like... Ma'am, are you there? Sir, we thank you for your business. Um, you have a great day. Click. But I, like, I know what comes on after 11 on those channels. Baby, you go ahead and go to bed. I'm just going to catch up on the news and I'll be right there. No, I don't want to do it. I, I don't want to risk it. I don't want to chance it. I, I don't care how crazy that may seem, but they're free. I don't care how free they are. You can come pop my own popcorn for me and feed it to me. I still don't want them. Because I know what's there. And so I say no. Just like that guy in that class that day. Re repentance requires what? Radical action. Cra it makes us seem crazy at times. But I'm okay with that. I would rather be viewed as crazy and okay in my relationship with Christ than sane and falling apart and fractured in that moment. 
I don't want it. So the story goes on, verse 14. It says, Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us this innocent blood. So the men on the boat, they're afraid that this man's life is going to be on their hands. And so again, we talked about this briefly last week, and I just want to mention it again, that, that, that our sin affects more than just us. I mean, our sin affects more than just us. Jonah's rebellion was about to cost these ship guys their lives, the captain and these boatmen their lives. And Jonah was just so against what God called him to do that he was even willing to lay down his own life. I mean, that's how crazy sin will make you. That's what sin will do. And not just to you, but it'll affect everybody else. Like, these guys legitimately thought that their life was over. They thought that they were gone, that they were done for. And so they're kind of trying to make things right with the Lord there. Uh, please don't, don't let, let this be on us. Not this innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. And so what we see here is God's sovereignty played out even in this moment. Yet again. And so far we've witnessed it in many different ways, right? The wind, the sea, the storm, the boat, the lots that were cast. See, God's sovereignty is made known here. His power, his might, his will. And he's after his man. And he's not going to rest until he gets him. I mean, God is in control of all things at all times, church. This is a beautiful thing. And so in this moment, we see God act according to his good pleasure by his authority. And in doing so, what does he do? He puts pressure on Jonah. Why? Because he loves Jonah. He has a desire for Jonah. He sees something better in Jonah than Jonah sees in himself. And so what's he going to do? He's going to go after Jonah until he gets a hold of him. He's not going to quit. And then two is because he has a desire for the people group to know his love, mercy, and forgiveness. And he's chosen Jonah to make that possible. That's why God goes after. That's why God does this. So what about you? I mean, have you thought about that for a moment? Like where you're at in your life? Where you live? Where you work? Where you play? You think it's just because you like that job? Or you like that cute little house with the brick and the stone and the this and the that on it? No, no, no. What, what if God has prepared you for that subdivision? What if God has prepared you for that job just for a time as this where, whereby we, you and I, we can, we can fall under the authority of Jesus and we have the opportunity to proclaim in the midst of this storm that we're living in known as 2021, the opportunity of the great love of Jesus Christ. And, and hear me, I know it. I mean, some of us are miserable in our jobs. Some of us can't stand it. Some of us hate it. We're not having fun. You fill in the blank. I know that that's the case. And we've all been there. But what if God says, you know what, I'm not worried about that right now. What I'm worried about is this coworker that you have is about to die in his sin and he desperately needs to know about me. And, and you, dude, sitting next to him every day have this great opportunity to share the glorious news of the gospel with them. Of how much I love them, how much I care for them, how much I desire relationship with them. See, I think our perspective is all wrong. So wrong. Look at verse 15 as we start to wind down. So they picked up Jonah and they hurled him into the sea. And what happens? The sea ceased from its raging. Immediately the storm stops. Immediately this, this storm just quits. I mean, is this not crazy? God was after Jonah. And what happens when he gets his man, even the elements of nature take notice and rest? I mean, this is just, this is amazing that God is in that kind of control. God is that powerful. I mean, think about that for a second, church. I mean, if he can just speak and it happens, imagine what he can do in our life with us. I mean, we have that same power living in us in the way of the Holy Spirit. And look at what happens in verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So as the band comes back up to lead us in a moment of response, 
We see the sailor's full acknowledgement of the Lord is stressed in a very uh, principle of this verse. And what it does is it gives us three uh, cognate accusatives uh, to indicate their newfound reverence. Look at what it does. They feared. There was a great fear there. They sacrificed the sacrifice to the Lord. And then the third thing that we see there is that they vowed their vows. See, church, true acknowledgement of, a, of the person and power of the Lord, that's faith, is always followed by what? Action. A genuine sacrifice to Him. That's of self. And so just hear me this morning. I mean, God is able to use all incidents in the life of His servants for their good and His glory. I don't know where you've been, I don't know what you've been through, and I don't know what you're struggling with right now, but what I do know is this, is that God is well, well aware, and God is equipping you for a moment where you're going to have opportunity to share with somebody else that's going to go through the same thing that you're going through. I mean, you don't know how many times somebody's come to me and says, God, I'm just struggling with this, or I've got this going on, and you know what I'm saying? Give me just a second. If you don't mind, can I share your story with a sweet brother or sister, and that would love to just come alongside you and walk with you and encourage you and pray for you? Because I don't quite understand or get all that you're going through, but I, but I, but I know this good brother does. And he would count it an honor to be able to walk with you and pray with you. I mean, you don't know how many times I've been able to do that, been able to share, been able to, to, to hand somebody off, and now they have an opportunity to minister to these people, something that they've been through themselves. See, God is able to use that. God still used this rebellious prophet in his sinful act of obedience. Is that not crazy? Is that, is that not the gracious God that we serve? The gracious God that loves us? God, in the storm that arose, made a tremendous impression on these seamen, which led to a holy and reverent fear of God, where they offer sacrifices and they make vows to Him. I mean, they got to see, even in the midst of the craziness and the mess, Jonah's jacked up and he's got some stuff going on, but even in that, they get to see the opportunity of God shining through. So just kind of recap where we've been this morning. This one, sin reeks, church. Sin reeks. And hear me, God will not bless as long as sin is in the camp. So we have got to come before him with our sin, with our messed upness, with all that stuff, and we need to hand it over to him. I don't care how good you think you are, how fine you think you are, how much you think you have it together. All the while, we know the honest case. You can only hide it for so long. And so what I would tell you is this, is that you better get your sin before your sin gets you. You better get your sin, a handle on it. And what I mean by a handle on it is that you don't put it in a little cage and you don't just kind of like, like flirt with it here and there, take it out to, for a walk every once in a while. What I'm talking about is you better get a handle on your sin and the way that you get a handle on your sin is you kill that junk. So this week when you get your sweet new nice uh, 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 TV service, you don't get the free channels. Or, or this week when you go somewhere else, you, you, maybe you don't go by yourself. You take somebody with you. Or, or maybe this week at work, whenever you're having that conversation, you know that your mouth wants to go that direction or say this, but says, so, so you just don't have that conversation. I mean, I don't know what the case is or what the sin you struggle with or what's prevalent in your life, but hear me, it will be made known because God is good like that and He will make sure if you belong to Him, oh, He, he will make it known. Because he loves you and he cares for you. So church, you better get a grip on your sin before your sin gets a grip on you. The second thing I would say is this, true repentance over being aggravated for being caught. True repentance need to be had more so than just being aggravated over getting caught. Are you broken over your sin or you just hate the fact that you didn't do a better job of hiding it? My fear is that in the church is that there's not enough brokenness. 
And I'm not talking about we have to cry and like swap snot and do all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm just talking about feeling the weight of our disobedience. I mean, feeling the weight of knowing that we've disappointed the heart of God. And see, I, don't, I think we've got far too small a picture of who God is. Oh, he'll get over it. He's okay with it. And he, he knows I'm going to... Yes, he knows you're going to struggle. And you know what's crazy in the fact that he knows you're going to struggle? He still saves you anyway. In the book of Isaiah, it says that our righteousness is as filthy rags to him. I mean, on our best day, we're still in desperate need of Jesus Christ in our life, working and doing. And we need a right and good picture of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us. See, again, we're just like Jonah. We think we can jump in the boat, go over here, dabble in our sin for a minute, jump back in the boat, come back over here. Okay, Lord, I love you. Oh, let's sing some songs. No, one more, one more verse, brother. Let's do it. All the while, this thing over here is dominating us and killing us. And you know what? The problem is we don't feel broken over it. Until, oh, I get caught. Dang it. Ugh. I'll have to wait till 1230 next time. Like girls asleep. Or I, I thought the boss was somewhere else. I'll have to wait next time to have that kind of conversation again. Oh, I can't manipulate that situation. I'll have to wait next time. And we get caught. We're like, darn it, I got caught. No, I want us to have true repentance. I want us to feel broken over our sin. I don't ever want us to be like the church in Ephesus. I don't want us to get comfortable in it. I don't want us to be, what will they think? Who cares what they think? Who gives a rip what your opinion is about me? God's opinion matters the most. And if, and if you're going to come at me with that, you've got to go through him to get to me. And there is nothing, there is nothing anybody in this room can find out about me that somebody else don't already know. Um, ask the guy about what you know my password don't you because it's the same for everyone I've got guys I confess sin to I've got those things that are made nobody can be shocked by nothing that's going on in my life because I've confessed it and I've told people know about it you want on my computer I'll give you my computer you want my phone the password's all two so you can jump on anytime you want to look at anything you want to look at well because I don't I, I don't want to die in my sin and it's not that I'll be lost or I won't make it to heaven. No, no, I'm not even worried about making it to heaven in that point. What I'm worried about is breaking the heart of God. Like, like, do you know what happens to the men that stand on this stage? How many have fallen over the last few years? I mean, just a big church up in New York, the dude was having affair after affair after affair. Do you know what that does to people? Whenever a pastor morally fails like that? That's why I always want to put it before you. I'm jacked up and messed up just as much as anybody else in this room. I'm in need of His grace just as much as anybody else. And I don't have a clue, trust me, I don't have a, a clue or an inkling why the God of the universe would save me, rescue me, set me up to lead a group of people into His presence week in and week out. It's beyond me that God would call this uneducated dumb boy to lead a congregation of His sheep. And that scares me to death. And I don't want anything as a result of my stupidness or my sin or my rebellion to cause not one person in this place to denounce the name of Jesus. And so my prayer is that God would kill me before that happens. God, please don't let that happen to me. I don't want to be Jonah in the boat with these fishermen and they're thinking the whole time, why did this joker not tell him about Jesus? Because he couldn't because he was hiding his sin. I don't want to live that life. Church, we shouldn't live in that place. I don't want to be like the church in Ephesus. And so I'll take that a step further. So if you got sin in your life, which every single one of us did as we confessed last week a little bit, man, man, there is going to be no judgment in this place. 
There is nothing that you can tell this old boy that's going to scare him away. Because you think your story's crazy. I probably got one that's a little bit crazier. I probably know somebody that's a little bit more messed up than that. So we're going to be a place where we love one another, we care for one another. Our opinion about one another is going to be run through the filter of who Jesus Christ is. And we're going to be a place that confesses sin, man. Like, I, that's what's so beautiful about this women's ministry, about the men's ministry that's coming. And we do life together. Like, I, I want people to know. Like, I want people to hold me accountable. I want people to love me and care for me that way. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know if maybe you're in a storm. Man, and the greatest, gracious thing God can do sometimes is throw you in a storm. And if that's the case, man, this altar is open. There is people here that would love to pray with you, walk with you, encourage you. But man, you move this morning as the Holy Spirit leads. And maybe, you know what, maybe it's a move this morning for the first time you've seen and you've heard the gospel in a fresh new light. And you know that you need Jesus as your Savior. And if that's the case, man, we're here. Or maybe for you it's a move of repentance like, oh, God, my sin has got me again. And if that's the case, man, we'd love to fall on you and pray with you and love on you and walk with you in any way possible. So you be obedient to whatever God calls you to. Father, help us to be open and honest. Help us to be everything that you've called us to be, God. True repentance is what I pray for. Whatever you gotta do, God, to get our attention. God, and I, I say that this morning, knowing this week that I've sinned and rebelled and I didn't have conversations that I should have had or I didn't do what you've asked me to do or there were parts of my week where I was just lazy in certain things or I ran after certain things that doesn't bring you glory and honor. And so Father God, uh, repentant, God, forgive me. God, always break my heart, I pray. And God, may that flow down in this church and these people. Father, we love you, we need you, and we pray, amen.